Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Simon Sinek said, There is a difference between vulnerability and telling people everything about yourself. Vulnerability is a feeling. Telling everyone about yourself is just facts and details. This is episode 30 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Jamie Cohen. During her early years, her family moved around a lot. Aside from the struggles being in a new place presents, there were a ton of other challenges coming her way. When her family ended up in Iowa, she was picked on for being Jewish. This continued heavily through middle school where she dealt with merciless bullying by peers and teachers. During sixth grade, she experienced immense trauma in addition to the bullying. She then developed an autoimmune disease which started to cripple her. All of this led to anxiety, depression, and even suicidal thoughts. She found light in attending a summer camp where through the support of a few fellow campers, she became one of the cool kids. It gave her the strength and confidence to face her peers in a better way when she returned to school the next year. What she began to realize was that people didn't know how to communicate effectively and even properly. When she realized that many people are placing judgment they have about themselves on others. Now, she is an internationally recognized speaker, communication coach, and trainer, and founder of The Right Words. She teaches you to level up your communication skills and become well-equipped to connect more deeply during any interaction. Her life has been spent studying language, researching human interaction, and studying the way people think. Through these studies, she's helped hundreds of individuals and organizations across the world build stronger relationships and departments, understand the needs and motivations of one another, and function at their highest potential. Her ultimate goal is to cultivate a generation of thoughtful, deliberate communicators. She is an incredible example of how our struggles can lead to our biggest successes in life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Jamie Cohen. Hey, Jamie, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm excited that we finally got this scheduled and uh, you're uh, open to sharing some of your stories. So again, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be part of the show. Awesome. So the first question I like to ask every guest to get started is what is your definition of vulnerability? I really like talking about this because especially now that it's such a big topic online, I think a lot of people believe that vulnerability is sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. And really what it is, is exposing yourself as human. So showing the world that you have feelings and when things happen to you, you respond to them. And it's it's just being able to describe things that have happened to you maybe not with every single detail, but showing that even if you are extremely successful or you are a big time celebrity or you're well-known in the community that you've had to go through some sort of struggle to get to where you are. No, I I, I couldn't agree more. And I think like for me, something that I take from that um, is, is that, you know, it allows us to sort of notice that we're not alone, Um, you know, by sharing it, by, by learning about other people's stories and, and, the similar things that they've gone through, it just helps us all sort of relate um, a lot more. So I couldn't agree more. 
So what would you say would be your earliest memory of going through a vulnerable or situation or some sort of struggle um, in your life? Oh, that's hard to say. I mean, there, (laughs) there are a lot of, a lot of different moments. I think I moved around quite a bit as a kid and I also, I mean, my memories start from, which is, it's very uncommon, but my memories start from before the age of one. Um, and so there are there are struggles that you have as a small child that aren't necessarily pertinent to your adult life. Um, but I remember I, I remember a lot of different things happening. So let me see. Where's a good place? Where would be a good place to start? Um, maybe kindergarten. I moved to I moved from Georgia to Iowa. And so I had a funny accent and I had moved before Georgia. I'm from New Jersey originally. So moved from New Jersey to Georgia to Iowa. So by the time I got to Iowa, I had a really funny accent because it was a mixture of New Jersey, New York, and then deep South. And I am, I moved to an area that had a very, very, very small Jewish population. And a lot of people in the area at that time were extremely anti-Semitic. So I remember going to school and being scared because I was meeting all these new kids and I, it was a totally different environment. I had gone to a a different type of school when I lived in Georgia. And so the transition was scary. And when I got to school, I remember kids being nice the first day, but we had this thing that we had to do where if I, I didn't love being the center of the attention if it meant it might hurt someone's feelings and we had this thing that we would do if you had new shoes you would skip around the circle and they would say like Jamie has new shoes new shoes new shoes like then they would say that for anyone else in the class who had new shoes and so that made me very very upset because I felt bad like maybe some other kid didn't have new shoes and then I was just prancing around showing off my new shoes and and so that that was my first memory of something that was very uncomfortable where I was extremely vulnerable. And then the next day coming to school and having kids come up to me and say, oh, you're Jewish. Did you know you killed Christ? Oh, geez. And I was what, five years old. And I was, of course, being like the little, I don't know, know-it-all that I was back then. I was like, um, I think that you're mistaken. Have you read history books before? And also, I was not alive 2,000 years ago, so I definitely did not kill Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, the first thing I want to say is I don't think I've had a single guest so far that can remember anything from kindergarten. I think most people's stories have started a little bit later in life or like high schoolish, teenage years. Um, so that's pretty impressive that you can remember that far back. So that, that's the first thing I want to say. The second <laughs> thing is I cannot imagine um, what that would have been like going through at, at such a young age. And the fact that even though you're, you're saying, you know, like you were sort of a know-it-all, but the fact that you even had a response um, is pretty uh, amazing too. I mean, like I couldn't imagine being that, that young and, and coming up with anything to say to something like that. I probably would have ran the other direction and started crying or something like that. Yeah. I think just the way that, so I, I used to have a photographic memory, which I think is one of the reasons why I have memories from such a young age, but went through a lot of trauma in middle school. So lost a lot of that ability, but 
when I had been at my previous school in Georgia, there was this amazing program. So I could, I started reading at like three or four years old. And then at this program, they, they had something that was like akin to hooked on phonics. So by the time I was done with preschool, we were all reading at like middle school, high school level. And then I got to, to my kindergarten class where kids were still learning their ABCs. And so it was this really interesting mixture of being like this, being the same age emotionally, but having a totally different thought process. And also my parents are a lot older than I am. So, you know, I, my parents were the age of some of the kids in my class's grandparents. Oh, okay. Jeez, well, so it was that, a I mean, very interesting dynamic. <laughs> no kidding. So what, like, how would you, like, what would you say you did or, or how would you say that you were able to sort of overcome that, that situation? I mean, you're again, pretty young at that age. You're in a different place around different types of people and everything. So what, what did you do to help yourself sort of get through that? Um, I didn't really overcome it. I just had to deal with it. And as I got older, it got worse. So that's something that I really struggle with is the the phrase that they say to all kids who are different or who are going through things that it gets better because it really doesn't for a very long time unless you're able to remove yourself from the situation and especially when you're in a smaller environment and you don't you don't get to you don't get to sort of remove yourself from this group of people but you're instead traveling with them throughout all these years they just find new ways to torment you so (laughs) I remember (laughs) I mean all so so many things so many things happened and it was easy to just sort of laugh them off in elementary school but then as I got to middle school middle school kids are ruthless and um I I developed an autoimmune illness in middle school and started crippling so then they had another reason to tease me and make fun of me so it just sort of was everything was very complicated up until I went to summer camp and uh, I was 14 years old and went to this summer camp when <clears throat> it was a Jewish summer camp. No one knew anything about my past and everyone was super nice to me. So I went from this environment where people were constantly just um, ostracizing me and teasing me, but in a very, it wasn't nice teasing. It was it was pretty cruel teasing to this environment where everyone wanted to spend time with me and I was kind of like the it girl. And it was, it was a very strange transition because I had this sort of imposter syndrome for a long time. How could you possibly like me? Don't you know what everyone else thinks? And, but just in that one summer alone, it totally, it totally changed how I felt about myself. So when I got back to school, that was apparent that my mentality had changed and people started treating me differently. Hmm. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> this is different because usually people have like, uh, you know, Oh, I did this or, or this is what I found to help me with getting through it. You know, whether it was friendship or, but this is quite interesting. This is a totally different, um, way than, or, or like a story. I don't know how, what you want to, how you want to put it, but this is completely different from the <laughs> usual that I, that I've usually with the guests that I've had in the past. So, so would you say that there was maybe a strength that you found in yourself after going through all this or, or the, after, you know, that camp or whatever, whatever point, um, you sort of started to overcome it, as you said, it wasn't until you maybe hit middle school, but would you say there was a strength that you were able to discover in yourself to help you? So I think 
I think when when a kid is going through something that's very difficult and they're completely ostracized and set apart by their community, the thing that that um, really hurts kids and that that unfortunately pushes some kids to suicide is the feeling that they're totally alone, that no one's going through what they're going through and that they'll never get out of it. So having this camp experience, I realized I wasn't the only one like me and I wasn't this plague that was released upon all of these like good Christian kids and that, you know, it was okay to be me just as much as I thought it was okay for them to be them. So I was able, I built up my self-esteem because instead of hating being who I was, I got to celebrate it and enjoy it and see all of these other kids who had great lives and were, were had great friendships and sort of revel in that. So when I got back to school, I was very confident in myself and I, I had a better idea of what I wanted and where I was going. And I knew that I had these like 40 kids that thought I was great. And when you're a kid and when you, I guess I was a teenager at that point, having approval from your peers is a big deal. So I, I was always confident in my mind and my ability to achieve, but the way that I was treated by others, that was something that I lacked confidence in because I was always made to feel like I wasn't good enough. Like I, I looked different. I was always told that I was ugly and I had a big Jewish nose and that like, I remember a kid in middle school telling me it was the ugliest girl he'd ever seen. And that stuck with me for a really long time. And it's, it's so sad because looks are totally irrelevant. And, and the way there's, so all of these sorts of things, even though it was a very painful experience, they all helped me sort of craft this idea of how I wanted to help the world because all of these things came down to issues with communication. Kids were having issues at home. They were projecting them at school. They didn't know how to talk about how they were feeling. So they found the weak, they found a weak link and projected all of their sadness and negativity onto that. And if kids were given the tools to talk about the things going on with them and to create stronger relationships with their friends and at school, you know, and even the teachers too, because in middle school I was bullied by kids and by teachers. So there is no escape whatsoever. There is no safe space. And if there were a better way, if there were, I mean, there are so many things. If there were more resources in school, if kids and teachers were taught to communicate more effectively earlier, so many of these things would be avoided. Um, and that's what I do now. My company of the right words, I help people communicate more effectively and learn how to connect with people more deeply and using empathy and vulnerability to really level with people. So that way it's never us against them or me against this person. It's we're in this together. And it's all about how, what are we going to do to find common ground? And if we don't have common ground, how do we connect? Hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you're not the first person I've had on as a guest who's shown how like things that happened earlier in their life have led to where they are now. And, and I find that interesting because I think that even for myself in the last couple of years, what I realized is looking back into my past is what's helping me grow now. 
it's helping me realize like what I want to do as well and, and the things that you know are important to me and so on so um, I think that's definitely an important message one thing I also wanted to talk about that you, you mentioned there was the whole part of like acceptance and validation I don't know that that's so much just the thing that we're looking for when we're kids I think that sort of you know spreads out into further on into life I mean I know what you mean in terms of like school when I was in um, high school I noticed that each year of high school I would dress differently and listen to different types of music or whatever it was to sort of fit in with a certain group of people and feel like I had acceptance. So I can definitely relate there in terms of like how, how that sort of, you know, affected me up until I hit college when I just sort of decided I'm going to be me. And if you like it, great. If you don't, not my problem <laughs> sort of thing. Exactly. And maybe that's not the best way to go about it either. But I think that, you know, that's something, like I said, that, you know, we, a lot of us struggle with even later on in life, but I like how you learned that, you know, maybe it's not that person that is, um, you know, that actually has some negative feeling or hate towards you. It's maybe something that's going on in their life. And then they're just pushing that judgment or fear onto you. So um, definitely something for, for a lot of us to think about uh, when we start to think about some of the things that maybe happened to us in the past or happened to us now, because I don't think bullying and, and these sort of things just happen when we're kids. I, I mean, I think you being online over the last couple of years and I'm sure you've seen it too, that it can happen even as adults. So um, definitely a good way to sort of, sort of look at it. Now, one thing that you mentioned really quickly there sort of in, in, in passing and, and that I want to sort of get, um, I guess uh, a little bit more if, into detail, if that's okay, is you'd said that like the, the toll that this can take on some people um, may lead to things like suicide or, or things like that. What sort of toll would you say that it had on you, like emotionally and everything? And, and, and how did you sort of, you know, I guess decide that that route wasn't for you um, or, or, you know, I, I don't know how to sort of put it exactly, but I, I hope you understand what I'm, what I'm asking. Yes. Uh, well, it was it was really complicated because I was getting it from all sides. It was every environment that I was in, there was trauma. So I developed severe anxiety. I um, got super depressed. I was suicidal at at several points during middle school, um, and I think up through the beginning of high school. And I I just. I just sort of had to push through essentially. That was the only option. It was either give up or continue moving on. And my mom would always say to me that 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 choice is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And even though that didn't comfort me, it just it made me realize that yes, this is very painful now. Maybe this is gonna last for years. Maybe this is going to last forever, but I know that I have power over my life or I will once I'm an adult. So what would be the use in giving up now? And it was, you know, the, in one of the reasons, the trauma that I went through that caused my memory to change was my, um, my first year of middle school, sixth grade, all of my grandparents died and all of my pets died within a few months of each other. And so, and you know, as growing up in the town that I did, everyone had their grandparents and their great grandparents and their great great grandparents. And coming from a family where everyone was a lot older, that wasn't the case. My great grandparents were born in like the mid 1800s. So oh, wow. <laughs> it was like my my second cousin died about six or seven years ago, and he was 86. Oh wow! So my my family the way that everything works is very different everyone is very spread out 
So going through all of that trauma really changed the way that I thought. And then dealing with, with developing a chronic illness and then being bullied and all these things happen. So I essentially just had to find a way to push through. Um, I became an athlete, which was something that was really helpful for me because if I couldn't control my surroundings, then I could at least control or feel like I had some control over my physical body, um, which was nice in a sense because with chronic illness, you never really have control over anything. I mean, no one really has control in the grand scheme of things. It's all per a perceived sense of control. But I was told by doctors that I was going to be in a wheelchair by the time I was in high school. And so I became a swimmer and became really, really strong. And so that didn't end up happening. And so then I, my confidence, I had this confidence from having gone to summer camp, but also in the fact that I was stronger or as strong as some of the boys in my grade. And I, I could protect myself physically. And, you know, there was something, I had something that I was constantly working toward. And so all of these things together sort of helped me move through everything that was difficult. I always, if things were going really bad, I had my coach and I could talk to him and he was, he was a really um, powerful force in my life. He ended up leaving and then we ended up getting this very creepy coach who, oh my gosh, I forgot about him. He was, he was awful. He, so during swim practice, like this, the bathing suits that you wear for, um, for swim team are super tight and high because you're supposed to get a, you want to get as streamlined as possible. And when you're starting um, a meet and you're racing, you're up on this thing called a block and you dive off of it. And so the coach was videotaping our strokes so that we could see if we were where we needed to improve. But one thing he was doing that was totally inappropriate and made a lot of people uncomfortable is he was starting with us on the block. So as we were like bending over to grab the front of the block, which is what you did before you launched off, he'd be back there filming. And oh, so that was, that was definitely um, very uncomfortable, but that's a sidebar. Definitely. My first coach was great and definitely helped me through a lot. And the more, the more involved I got in sports and the more involved I got in different extracurricular activities, and the more I realized that my life was bigger than this, than the school that I was in and the town that I lived in, things got a lot better for me. Like, gee, like I mean, <laughs> I've had like I, I think we talked just before this. I've said I've had just over I think twenty guests or so, and I've had different stories, everything from like you know things that happen in people's families to to physical to uh, you know whatever it might be, like all these different types of vulnerability. I have to say though, I think you're the first person that I, I would say probably can tick off like each one of those. Like you've had the issues with the family, you've had the issues with social settings like school and friends and stuff like that. Physically, I mean, like I just I, I don't know. This is one of those times where like I'm at a loss for words because <laughs> I think about people that like complain about small little things, and even myself. I'm sure I've done it in the past. I've definitely got a lot better about it now, but I can't imagine being in somebody like your shoes and. I hope that doesn't sound bad or anything like that, but it's just, it's incredible to me what some people can manage to go through and that we don't know about. Cause then like we see them now, like, like I said, when we, before we started, I've been following you for a couple of years now, couldn't have imagined any of this, um, especially as far back as we've gone. Um, 
knowing who you are now and seeing like your presence online now and the positivity and everything that you exude and even just the way that you know I've seen you treat others like I know you've done a series online where you sort of promote other people and you know for somebody to go through what you've gone through but then still have you know the, that ability to want to help others and prom- and promote others and and sort of impact other people's lives it's pretty incredible if you ask me Oh thank you I really appreciate that because I I spent most of my life hearing that I was complaining too much and that my life wasn't that bad and all these different things. So it mean that means a lot to me. And I always want to be able to help other people. And part of it, part of it is actually for my own benefit because I spent so many years asking for help and not getting any and I never want anyone to feel like that so in a way it's a little bit selfish but I have I feel I think when you spend so many years going through trauma and thinking that things are never going to change you have to find another way to find joy and for me that's seeing other people succeed and so because I had absolutely no control over any part of my life what I started doing was taking on projects. So a lot of people that I knew were people that I wanted to help. And my therapist told me, especially when I started dating, Jamie, you need to stop, stop finding projects, find people who complete you, who lift you up, not people who you need to work on. (laughs) But that, that was sort of my own, my own um, therapy for myself was just helping other people succeed because I could see from everything that I'd been through, what, what they needed to do to be successful. And also having, having been through all these situations where I didn't, I wasn't saying the right things and I wasn't getting the right responses. And I was dealing with people with a lot of different types of mental illness. So I had to learn how to navigate that. I was constantly studying, like I was studying human interaction and I was studying parenting and I was studying um, psychology from a really young age. So, you know, even, even though I'm not that far into my career, I've spent decades studying what it is I do now. And so that I think all, I always say that I had an extremely painful education, but it was probably the best education I could have possibly had because I've been through so many different things and been around so many different types of people. I have a good understanding of what could happen in almost any situation. And something that I started doing as I got older is when I, instead of avoiding uncomfortable situations, if I was in a really awkward situation, I would see, I would push it as far as it could possibly go to see how awkward can this possibly get before it's just too uncomfortable to bear. And that way I I knew that I knew what the limit was. And so this is this is where I really established a big part of what I do now, which is helping people establish boundaries because a lot of, a lot of anxiety and a lot of conflict comes from not understanding where the boundaries lay, lie, where the boundaries lie. And so people either jump way too far over the line and end up insulting the other person or they are tiptoeing around, totally anxious, hoping that they don't meet the line. And when you establish those boundaries, you create a sense of calm and you help, you develop stronger bonds because people know 
what your limits are. So if you just, if you think about when you're working with um, children, the more strict the rules are, the happier the kids are because they know kids love to push boundaries, but in order to push the boundary, you need to know where it is. So when kids have these really strict rules, they're like, oh, that's not fair. But then they're happy because they know, like, I want to do that and I'm not allowed to. Hmm. But I can see how much I can do before I get in trouble. And so then you're giving them this healthy space to test. And that's what humans are always doing. So when you can do this in every area of your life, with your boss, with your family, with your friends, with anyone you come into contact with, when people know how much you're willing to tolerate, they are much more able to connect with you. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Never, never, no, I just, I just never thought about it that way. I mean, I think I'm probably the person that just sort of jumps over (laughs) because (laughs) I've just always been very outgoing, uh, very talkative and and not really thought much about that. I, I could say probably in the last couple of years of my life, I've been a little more conscious of it only because just through personal growth and everything, I've tried to be mm-hmm. more careful with people. Not careful, maybe is not the right word, but just more, again, conscious Cognizant. of like, yeah, exactly, yeah. of like how people feel, like especially in my my marriage with my wife, I, I've definitely been a lot more uh, aware of how she's feeling than I was in the past, um, just because, I mean, I've got a lot less blocking me even I mean in my past I was a lot more miserable and unhappy and everything and now Mm -hmm. that I've gotten to a better place in my life it allows me to to sort of help others her or whoever it might be and and it's I I couldn't agree more in terms of like how much better that feels and even though there might be a little bit of selfishness to it I think it's well worth it as long as you know we're we're the main goal is to impact or, or help the other person so I think you've sort of touched on it you know throughout our conversation here, but if you could maybe concise it, make it a little more concise, how would you say that everything that's happened to you has gotten you to where you are now or helped you get to where you are now? It's helped me to understand what people might be going through, which allows me to connect very deeply with other people because I know how bad things can get. And I also know people who had it way worse than I did, who went through a lot more, maybe in different ways, but who the trauma was a lot more difficult to work through. And understanding, so when understanding why someone is acting a certain way versus just giving them sort of some sort of label when they act a certain way has also been a huge impact on my life. Because it's easy. You see someone acting erratically or you see someone do something unkind um, or say something really hurtful and you say, well, that person's crazy. They just do this. They're here and there versus saying, I wonder what that person must be going through. What led them to this point where they feel it's necessary to say this particular thing or treat people in this particular way. I think people, people aren't born evil. They're born good. They're born, I mean, unless you are born with some severe deficit or you're, you're born with an addiction because a parent was doing drugs while, while they were pregnant, um, you're still not born bad. You're born with, um, compromises in your body, I guess you could say, but everyone is born wanting to be happy. And it's these experiences that they have along the way 
that shape the way that they act. And so being able to really deeply understand that has helped me become um, a great negotiator and uh, uh, a great person to deal with conflict, like a great mediator and um, someone who's able to communicate with a lot of different types of people with the understanding of that people think differently. Um, and a good example of this is, so uh, my mom passed away about five years ago and I posted on LinkedIn about the importance of language and how the words you say can be extremely powerful. So she was a doctor and even having all the knowledge she had when she was very sick, she was scared. Her doctor came in when she was doing all these tests and instead of saying, I, I know this is really scary and we're, this is, she was, she had a stage four breast cancer that was really so rare. It didn't have a name. Um, had the doctor come in and said, we're going to do everything we can to go to work through this together. There are a lot of different options and we I'll be here with you every step of the way. Instead, the doctor came in and said, I can't cure you. That was the first thing she said. So for my mom, the air just went out of the room. And, you know, my, my mom also um, dealt with depression throughout her, her life. So having dealt with that and then becoming extremely ill and then having this person say this thing, she just totally lost all hope. And in medicine, hope is one of the strongest drugs. And if you don't have it, your likelihood of survival becomes a lot less. So I posted on LinkedIn saying that, the words that you use can be a matter of life and death. So you should think about what you say, especially in high stakes situations. And this guy commented on my post and said, people need to start taking responsibility for themselves. And it's not the doctor's fault that this stuff happened to your mom and you need to like, get over this and take responsibility. And so immediately, because it was so fresh at the time, I think this was two years ago, um, I just felt totally helpless. And I went to a bunch of uh, friends in a community and said, hey, can I have some backup? I, this person is attacking me and I, I don't feel equipped at this moment to respond. And a lot of people started responding and supporting me. But then what I also saw is people attacking this guy, which made me feel bad because I started to realize that the reason this person was saying this is because something happened to them. And so I said to this person, what you, you're really making some strong accusations and having, have, if you haven't been in this position, you can't possibly understand what, what, what it's like. And the way that you're acting, I'm guessing that some bad things have happened to you, and I'm, I am sorry if they have, but you should, you should consider, just like I said in this post, you should consider how your words are affecting the people around you, namely me in this situation. And so then it turns out, because he started posting that his aunt, his dad, and one of his siblings had died from cancer. And so he was he found this space where he could uh, project all of his sadness and anger at another person. And he started talking about that. And I said, I'm so sorry, all of this happened to you. And 
that's that's totally unfair and these things happen to us in life we have no control over them and then we're just left alone all these people unintentionally walk out of our lives they're taken away from us and then we we are just left in the rubble to deal with our emotions and whatever is left over so this guy didn't apologize to me but he became less aggressive and and stopped attacking me and so it, that that just goes to show that when someone's saying something really cruel more often than not it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them and people say that all the time but i like giving this example because without an example those are just words and if you don't if you say something and you don't substantiate your claim it's why did you say it in the first place you have mm -hmm. to give evidence you have to give you have to give some supporting claim to make something real well, the the one thing i think of after hearing that story is the amount of empathy that somebody must have you in in this example obviously like that that would not be easy for most and i i mean i've never gone through something that severe in terms of online i have had people you know where they've said things or whatever and and I was given sort of the advice that you're giving me now of like, don't go on the defense and start attacking them back. Just sort of, you know, either let it be or try and start a conversation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the amount of empathy that you've got to have for somebody to attack you like that in that sort of vulnerable moment and talking about something so personal for you to turn it around. That's uh, again, something that I think more of us need to find or practice because it's not something that I would see that I, that at least that I've seen being too common. Um, but uh, congrats to you for having that kind of empathy to to being able to sort of turn that around. And even though you didn't get an apology, it doesn't seem like it it took the um, or it had the the negative effect that it could have had had you just sort of let yourself, you know, either wallow in the sadness or you know turn around and attack them back. So again, uh, <laughs> kudos to you. Uh, so would you say at this point in your life? Um, after going through all this and getting to where you are now in your career and everything, would you say that you've been able to find success and fulfillment in your life or that you're still working towards it? Um, I find a lot of fulfillment in the success of the people that I help. Personal fulfillment is something that I'm still working on. So before my mom passed away, I had a lot of interests and passions. I was always learning something new every three months. I had a requirement of myself that I had to learn a new skill. And I, when, when she got sick, I was living in Chicago and I was a competitive salsa dancer at the time and I was pursuing comedy. And when, when, so when she first got sick, we were told immediately she had two weeks and she ended up being with us for about 20 months. But when all of that happened, I, I, all of my passions and all of my interests sort of just went out the window. And after she passed, I lost a lot of, not my drive, but my understanding of what I enjoy. And so that's something that I have been working on a lot since she passed away. But as far as fulfillment goes, I, st I know, I'm confident that my fulfillment comes from seeing others succeed, especially when I have a hand in that. Um, and what I'm still, as far as success goes, I think that's something that's always evolving. I think I feel successful because of the relationships I've made on LinkedIn, which 
through those relationships, I was able to launch my business full time and get out. So it's just been one thing after another. When I, before I went full time um, with the right words, I was working at a company where I was being, um, I was dealing with emotional abuse. And I, that in conjunction with the loss of my mom caused me to develop caused me to develop extreme social anxiety, which was a strange thing for me to experience um, as a, I don't know, how old was I, like 27 year old after having spent all these years being a performer and a, um, and someone who, whose focus was making other people laugh and other people happy. And suddenly I couldn't bear to be around more than a couple of people. Whenever I went out, I was counting down the hours till I could go home. And so through this community that I built on LinkedIn, that was my first success, building this community, finding like-minded people, people who inspired me and being able to feel inspiration again. And then the second thing was being able to remove myself from a toxic situation and launching my business. And then being able to be totally occupied by something that I had built with also with the help of my community because for years I had been going through all these different situations where you know I graduated at the height of the recession and I graduated with with three degrees speaking four languages and I couldn't get a job so I had to navigate that and I and it's just sort of going back to what you said before, you know, with the the image that you see, even though I think I'm very truthful, the image that you see online, on LinkedIn, on other social media platforms, when you meet me, people don't often see the trauma and they don't often see all the things that got you to where you are, even when you're going through them. So when I was going through all of this stuff, I was saying, hey, you know, I really need help. These are the specific things that I need help with. Because often when people are going through something difficult, they don't ask for help. So I said, that's not going to be me. So I put in the work, I asked for help and no one would help me. And so I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought if you ask for help and you put yourself out, where, out there and you do the work, then everything sort of falls into place, but it didn't. So it was a huge success for me when I, when I joined when I joined the new LinkedIn, I like to call it when LinkedIn <laughs> changed to the way that it is now and people were just giving out expert information for free. There's no way I would have been able to launch a business in under six months had it not been for the LinkedIn community. I didn't know anything about business. I was planning on going to medical school originally and I was, you know, I, I had a million <laughs> careers. I was a Spanish interpreter and I was a salsa dancer and I was in comedy and none of these things, I didn't understand the logistics of business and so many different people played a hand in my ability to launch my business. So I think everything is an evolution and it's just sort of been one little success after another. And when you're able to revel in those small successes, then you're able to find fulfillment because what, I did in the past, and I think what a lot of people do is they have their big goals and they're working so hard and everyone's saying just hustle harder and hustle more, but the goal seems is so far away, it seems intangible. And I have I have this little um, 
picture frame. It's sort of like a, oh, I don't know what you call it. It has, it's, it has like a 3D picture in it. So there's like a painting with some like cute little things glued onto it and whatnot. And it's, it's a, of this little woman walking down a path and it said, um, uh, knowledge of the path cannot be, um, it, or knowledge of the path cannot, is not greater than putting one foot in front of the other, something along those lines. So essentially understanding where you need to go and that you want to get somewhere, there isn't power in that. That's, that, that's sort of like, that's sort of like your framework, but taking action and putting one foot in front of the other, that's, that's what allows you to start building fulfillment and understanding, okay, I know that there's a long road ahead of me. What are these little achievements that I'm going to have for myself along the way? So that even though the road is long, when I get to each of these, um, I don't know, points in the journey, that I feel like I've accomplished something. And I know my head used to always be so far in the future. I thought I'll never get these things that I want. I'm working so hard, it's never going to happen, which totally transformed when I started saying, okay, I know where I wanna be eventually, but I know from where I am now, there is this point that I want to hit either personally, professionally, financially. Um, I wanna have this thing completed by this time. So let's see if I can get there. And then I've, I've always thought that any achievement, and maybe this comes from, I come from a family of like very high achievers. Everyone in my family except for me is in medicine. Um, and I was always taught that when you achieve something, that's just the launching pad for your next achievement. So it's also finding the balance between, okay, celebrate your, actually when you, when you get to these points in the path where you've achieved something, take a moment and celebrate that. Don't just say, okay, I got here next. Because those, those, are, two, those are two things that are, they're different, but they have the same sort of pain involved. If you get to, if you're creating these small goals, but you're not celebrating them along the way, that can be just as draining as looking at the end results and saying, I don't think I'll ever get there. No, I, I relate with everything you just said, because, you know, in the last couple of years of my life, you know, I, I, I lost my job. I jumped into a million different things thinking I'm going to find an answer. Then I didn't. <laughs> and, and then it was like, you know, then I, I, I didn't want to try and look for help, but now I'm starting to. And even just in terms of what you said about the whole, like the knowledge of the path is not any greater than taking the first step or, or the next step. Uh, I couldn't agree more because a part of what I sort of was saying online over the last couple of years is just start. Because what I realize is like you overthink things. Even this podcast, I overthought doing this podcast for months and months and months and was worried about like, oh, like what equipment do I need? What uh, format do I need to take? How am I going to get people to listen when there's, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there? And all, all, how am I going to get guests? All these different things I let myself think and think and think about when all I needed to do was just take that first step. And once I did, I had like five guests in my first like week of reaching out to people. And, you know, so I, I couldn't agree more with everything you said there. And I couldn't relate more either because it's just like the same sort of thing in the last couple of years has been happening to me. And, and I finally, I, I feel like I'm starting to get somewhere. And, and that's just been reconnecting with the similar community sorry, similar community that you mentioned, people from LinkedIn and, and stuff. So again, um, you know, couldn't relate more. 
the, the down to the last couple of questions here, because I, I know we're getting close to the time. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else planned for uh, today, but uh, don't want to take up too much of your time. So the 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 last question I like to ask um, all my guests is: if you were to listen back to this interview, you would find a ton of things that you could take away from it, lessons and stuff that people could um, learn. But if you could give the listeners three key takeaways from your journey that they could then use to sort of implement in their journey to help them get to where they want to go. What would you say those three key takeaways would be? I would say, so the first one is, is a kind of a hard pill to swallow, but it's that you have to be your own savior. No one is coming to save you. So you have to be, you need to learn how to believe in yourself and um, be accountable for your actions, even in environments where you feel totally powerless. Um, the second thing is, is building a community is invaluable to your success. You, the people that you surround yourself with, they, you, they always say you're the average of the five people you spend time with. The people who you surround yourself with will be the determining factor in your success. So if you're surrounding yourself with people who, who are really nice people and you love, but they they aren't driven and they they're just sort of happy you know treading water and being where they are then it's on it's going to be more difficult to get to where you want to go versus spending time with people who are extremely driven who are working towards their goals who want to help other the people around them so surrounding yourself with driven people will help you get to where you want to go and then the third thing is that your words are very powerful and a lot of people i don't know if i believe in fate a lot of people think that everything happens for a reason but with everything that's happened in my life i think and just with a lot of research and that i've done and things that i've read i think that humans like to they can't imagine that something that's really painful could happen without any reasoning behind that and so i often feel that that we can subscribe some sort of reason to something that has happened. But um, where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, but that your words are really powerful. So that you, things, if that's what you believe, things may happen for a reason. But if there is a goal that you're trying to reach, you can't just sit around and wait for it to happen. You have to take action. And understanding that you are the one that needs to save yourself and but also that you need to surround yourself with a supportive community those two things will prepare you for the action that you need to take and when when you learn how to communicate what it is you want and explain where it is you're going it becomes a lot simpler to get there so you don't have to have a lot of people will say well i don't know if if I don't have someone telling me what to say. I'm not going to use, I'm not going to say the perfect words. It's not about saying the perfect thing at the perfect time. It's about being able to communicate your wants and your needs with empathy for the people that you're speaking with so that they're able to understand clearly what it is you want and why they should be a part of that. 
Solid three, solid three, definitely. And again, a lot of what you're saying, I, I, I definitely couldn't agree with more because, uh, you know, I've seen it in my own life with community and everything like that. And learning that you have to sort of what to your first point, you have to take care of yourself first. I've been saying this to people recently because that's what I learned over the last couple of years is that if you if you're not happy with yourself, if you haven't worked on yourself, it doesn't matter how many other people you surround yourself with or what you surround yourself with, whether it's things, people, whatever, it's not going to make any difference because you have to work on yourself first and you have to be okay with yourself. I said to somebody recently something uh, of the sort of like, you know, it's if, if it's like you being hungry, but then giving all your food to somebody else because they're hungry. It doesn't make sense because you're still going to be hungry. Or my wife made a good point of, you know, when you're on a plane and you do, they do that whole safety thing. And they say, if anything happens, put your mask on first before assisting others. Same sort of thing, right? It's that whole thing of like, you have to work on you first before you can expect to help others. So couldn't agree more. The last thing here is not so much a question, but more of an opportunity for my guests to promote themselves. Um, I mean, you took the time to come on today and be a guest on my podcast and share so openly. So I want to give you a chance to sort of promote anything you're up to, tell people where to find you on social, maybe the best place to connect with you or reach out to you. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, I'll also, um, just as a sidebar, give you all of this information so that people don't have to listen and write it down. (laughs) Um, But you can find me on all over social media at Jane Balaya, J-A-I-M-B-A-L-A-Y-A. So that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, Pinterest. um, And then, but on Pinterest, it's J-A-I-I-M-B-A-L-A-Y-A. Because someone else is Jane Balaya. Yeah. (laughs) Nowhere else on the internet, but, and this person isn't even active and cannot get a hold of them, but <laughs> so it goes, say lovey. Um, but LinkedIn, LinkedIn and Instagram are the two best places to get in touch with me. I'm easiest to access on Instagram because I get fewer messages there. Um, but I spend most of my time on LinkedIn and you can find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Jamie dash Cohen. Um, some of the things that I've been working on recently in, I just launched a course of LinkedIn learning um, called Connecting with Your Audience Using Video. And this teaches you how to use video, <coughs> excuse me, all across social media, but especially on LinkedIn to deeply connect with your audience. And this course also teaches you how to build your confidence so that you feel more comfortable on camera with the way you look, with the way that you sound, and the way that you feel. Um, I also have uh, programming on helping you use the right words, which is the name of my company, the right words. You can find my hashtag, the right words, all over LinkedIn and Instagram. And I help you with three main things, which is building relationships, um, resolving conflict and negotiation. And this can, this can be um, applied to any aspect of your life, whether this is with your family, uh, with your friends, or with the relationships you have at work or in your entrepreneurial (laughs) (laughs) journey. Um, So please do reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram or wherever you find me. I'll be able to get in touch with you. And um, I'm really looking forward to helping you use the right words and achieve the goals that, that you are shooting for. And thank you for allowing me to pitch, Brian. Oh, and one more thing, actually, that you mentioned earlier. (coughs) Excuse me, my allergies. Brian was mentioning earlier that I have a series where I feature different people. It's called Find Me Friday. So um, every Friday, I feature a business, an entrepreneur, um, a 
professional, someone doing something interesting and have them do a 30 to 45 second pitch so I can introduce them to my community. And in this pitch um, or in this post, I encourage everyone in the community to pitch themselves in the comments. So the point of this post is for you to practice your pitching. Ooh, that was an alliteration. Look at me go. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but also to get you connected with the people and the services that you need because on LinkedIn, we're spending a lot of time learning how to connect with each other and build relationships. And we're, a lot of us are worried about being too salesy. So this is an opportunity for you to sell everything that you're offering. Um, you can find that under hashtag find me Friday. And yeah, that's, that's a good, uh, synopsis of what I'm working on right now. Thanks for letting me pitch all of that, Brian. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, thank you um, for coming on. That that's uh, definitely again sh when I what I find most interesting about this whole journey for me is that a I'm learning a lot um, because hearing other people's stories tends it helps me sort of reflect on my own and 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 grow more. And then the other thing that I find interesting is how open people are willing to be. Um, you know, I, I we haven't known each other for a long time, um, so you know, for you to be as open as you were, I appreciate it a lot because these the whole point of this podcast is to really help people understand that from your struggles can come success and can greater things can come from it you just got to sort of learn from those things that have happened and, and take the lessons from them and there's definitely a ton of those in, in this episode so again thank you for coming on thank you for being so open and uh you know i i appreciate uh appreciate you well i appreciate you too and thank you for creating a space where it's safe and it feels comfortable to be open. I think that's, that's a really big thing for people is being in an environment where they feel comfortable sharing different things that they've been through. So thank you for creating this for me and for all the other amazing people that you've interviewed on the show so far. Awesome. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and, and we'll talk again soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.